0: Uh, Happy Father's Day once again um, to all our fathers, and as you think of your earthly father, um, whether that was a great relationship or it wasn't, um, we do want to give honor to those fathers in our midst that are trying to do their best and um, be the best dad they can be. And um, I know for many of you that lost your your father, my father passed away when I was 20. Um, Sometimes today can be a tough day as well when you think of your your father, and you miss being with him today. So just want to identify with you as well today if that's a tough day. Um, uh, one time a little boy was asking to find Father's Day. He said it's just like Mother's Day, except you don't spend as much on the presents. <laughs>
1: right? So I
0: don't know if that's true for you, but you know, get your tube socks and uh, move on with your life. Um, but <laughs> maybe that's not true. Maybe it's the no other way around. I got no, it's not. That, that's totally that's not true. Um actually. I was probably the opposite in my, my house because I'm not the greatest at shopping. So uh, anyway. If if you didn't know the history of, of Father's Day, I won't we'll go all into it, but it was in nineteen oh nine that a, a woman wanted to honor her father who was a, a widower who raised um, all of her siblings. This um, was in Spokane, Washington and um wanted to honor her dad. It was just Mother's Day had just come about and she said, You know we need to do something She's in church on on Mother's Day, wanna do something about it. And um she said, you know, maybe we should do something here in town and have an honorary parade and all this. So through all these sort of events and chain events, it took time. But it was 1909, all the way to 1972, finally became an official holiday. Uh, but uh, we, we do want to think about that and how we've all been impacted one way or another by uh, a father or a father figure. Um, and, you know, thinking through this message this morning, um, I actually got a text this morning from my youth pastor um, who was really instrumental in my life. Um, you know, I, I had a decent relationship with my parents, but he really filled a lot of gaps um, where I didn't want to go to my dad. I didn't want to talk to him. Um, he was there for me. And we can all think of those mentors and people that have been instrumental in our life. And it, and it challenges us all to be that person to somebody else, man or woman, um, to be that person, to be that mentor for people that um, maybe need somebody to talk to and somebody to, to just bounce ideas off and, and to be that figure in their life. So he texted me this morning, just an encouraging text, and I was like, you know what, thank you to all the people you've been a spiritual father to, um, because that's such a huge thing. Um, But this morning as we look in the Bible, we're going to look at um, someone who's probably one of the greatest father figures in all of the Bible, and that would be Father Abraham. If you grew up in church, remember there's a little song. Who remembers the song? Sunday school, Father Abraham. Right. What do you start doing? I'm one of them. And I'm one of them. So are you. <laughs> so let's so just. Let's just pray. Then you gotta get your arm. Uh, go with yeah, the right arm. Right. <laughs> we'll speed it up. We're not gonna do the whole thing. You go left arm, right foot, then left foot. Then you go nod your head. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it turn around? Is it turn around? Sit down. That was like the highlight of Sunday school. Yeah, when you're six years old, you get to move around. Maybe punch somebody in the process when you're going right arm the guy next to you. Bam! I didn't mean to do that. Um, so that was my highlight of, of Sunday school. I was just thinking, "Old Father Abraham, that many sons." And you know, the truth is, Father Abraham has many sons. 54% of the world's population are part of an Abrahamic religion. So more than half the population of our planet follows old Father Abraham. And so he's made an impact. Um, But Father Abraham, most of his life, was not a father. He spent a majority of his life as a not Father Abraham. He was Mm -hmm. just Abraham or Abe or whatever. Maybe Abram. 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 Let's say it right. (laughs) Get it right. (laughs) Um, So, Abraham is is an interesting character in the Bible because the Bible lists Father Abraham as the father of not just the Jewish nation. But as the father of faith, the New Testament writers talk about him as the father of faith. Father of all who believe. And that's an awesome statement to make. You know, if you've ever been at somebody's funeral, you know all the good things they say about you at your funeral. Hopefully, you know. But this guy was just the greatest, And they are kind of like, yeah, we won't talk about that over here. But Abraham's kind of the same character. He's the father of faith. If you look at the details of his life. It's encouraging to you and me because he wasn't always the most faithful. The father of faith wasn't always the most trusting. He wasn't always the most believing. There are many moments in his life he was anything but faithful. And so it's encouraging to myself and to possibly to you as well, that even the father of faith can have his moments where he wasn't so faithful. We're going to look and start a series this morning, um, and we'll be looking through the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 specifically. Um, many people will look at that chapter and say that's the Hall of Faith. There's the Hall of Fame in different locations. Uh, this is the Hall of Faith in the Bible. It lists many different characters from the Old Testament that were examples of how faith, following the Lord, really were instrumental into their story and what it meant for them to be who they were. So we're going to look through this chapter and look at these different characters and try to dig into their stories and see what we can learn. And so I'm excited to do that with you guys, and and also it it provides some material. If you're wondering what to study during the week, or wonder what to uh, read in your Bible, you kind of just do one of the flip things. Maybe you don't, maybe you've got a good plan going, that's great. But if you're wondering where to read during the week, you can just read along in these stories, dive into the Old Testament, and kind of go a little bit deeper than we're able to do on Sunday morning. So we're going to look at Abraham this morning. So if you want to turn your Bible to Hebrews 11, we'll be in verses 8. 12, and then also 17 to 19. And I'm going to start reading. I have it in the New Living Translation right here, uh, but you can follow on with whatever translation that you have. It says this in verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Even, and even when he reached the land, God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. Whoever felt too old? Don't ever feel that way. You're not too old. <clears throat> she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, there is no way to count them. Go to verse 17. It says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if, God, if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. This morning we're going to look at this passage of scripture with four basic points. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you can do that. And keep notes if you don't want to, that's fine as well. Um, but these are four points we're going to look at this morning. We'll call them four faith fundamentals from this passage of scripture. The first one is this, and I'm kind of cheating because I'm going to go back where we don't read this yet, but it is in Hebrews 11:6. 6. And the first point is this, that faith is first. Faith is first. Faith is first. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him It's impossible to please God without faith. Everyone has faith in something. Every person here in this room has faith in something. Every person in this community has faith in something. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what you do, you have faith in something. Faith is absolutely necessary to us as human beings because we cannot ever obtain all information, all knowledge, and and have comprehensive understanding of our surroundings. Faith is a primary function of all human beings because we do not know everything, and so we have to fill in the gaps of our life every day with steps of faith, even things that we do subconsciously. Faith is an aspect of being a human being. Some people want to separate people of faith, okay? These are the Christians or crazy people, and these are we are rational people that believe in science. That is not actually the case. Every people, All people are people of faith. Everyone's a person of faith. It just depends on what our faith is in. Let me give you an example. Uh, I'll go with some simple, easy ones. Every time you play a sport, play basketball, every time you shoot, do you ever shoot and believe you're going to miss? No. No. Every time you shoot, I have faith the shot's going to go in. Right? And it may not. Sometimes it does, though. Most of the time it does. Right? Something as simple as a sport you have faith every time you take the next step. Well, I'm gonna shoot it now. I'm gonna pass it to this guy. Nobody's thinking, yeah, this isn't gonna work. I'll just do it anyway. Everybody has faith in what they're doing. They believe this is gonna happen. This is gonna this is gonna work out well. Every time you get on an airplane, well, maybe you don't have faith. You're just like, I gotta do it, somebody drug me on. Uh, but you get on an airplane, you have faith that the pilot is competent, that's gonna take off, that you're gonna make it there. Um, and then there's a few that don't, they're just they have to do it, there's no other way to, to get there, and they have to cross an ocean. Um, Every time I let my kids play in the neighborhood, go play outside, go to your friend's house. I have faith that they're going to be safe. That, you know what, there's not a guy that's going to capture them or whatever it may be and, you know, put them in an unmarked van and drive them off, you know. Uh, I have faith and I I have a basic trust that this is a safe neighborhood, they'll be okay, and and so forth. We have faith in these simple things in life. We trust the safety of our environment. Um, uh, For some of you guys, Andrew, I'm sure you had a little bit of. Maybe just a small measure of faith when you first ask Lydia out. You're like, "I have a chance here. I have a little chance." Maybe like, "I have no chance," but who cares? We'll just try it anyways. But you know, even even in our relationships, When you know, I asked uh, Cassie out. I'm like, I, I had a lot of faith in that. I thought it would work out pretty well. Um, but you know, we have to have some measure of faith in that. Truly, stepping out into marriage for me was a tough. One. I got married pretty young, and so when I was 21 years old, proposing to my girlfriend that I really loved and cared about, it was a step of faith, because I'm leaving this old life of 21 years of being single and doing what I, you know, now I'm stepping into this, I don't know anything about marriage, um, only just what I've observed, but I'm going to take a step of faith and believe that this is going to work, this is going to be good, and this is, I, mean, I don't know all the things that we're going to encounter, but I'm taking a step of faith into this. We all, we all walk in faith in our lives, we've got to we gotta recognize that, because faith is not just for spiritual people, it's for everyone. But there are spiritual issues, too, as well. There's deeper issues, our worldview, our values, um, how we see life, how, how we think everything functions. All these things are issues of faith. Yes, we may have reasons. Yes, we may have uh, reasons how we got to where we, we are. But we all have to take steps of faith to fill in the gaps of our life. Last Sunday after church, I went and saw um, my step-grandfather, my, my step-dad. After my dad passed away, my mom remarried. This is... Uh, her husband's father, went saw him. he's in uh, Greenwood, in a hospital, um, and he's not doing well, he's at the end of his life, um, they're going to prepare him to go to a hospice, and I was talking to him last Sunday afternoon, and, you know, he was still alert to a degree, I thought he wasn't going to be alert, but he was still there, and talking, just saying, you know, I'm ready to see the Lord, his faith was so strong, like, you know, I, I live my life, I, did, I ran my race, and I'm ready to see him, I, I just want to go see him. And he was, he he didn't want to, don't pray for me to be healed. I want to go see the Lord. That's where I'm at. His faith was so strong, it's just amazing, Uh, that he said, you know what, I lived my life. I did what I was called to do, and I want to go and receive my reward. I want to go and be with him. And so, um, you know, our faith really is a powerful thing, even in every aspect of our life, but especially as we walk in a relationship with God, which is a, a walk of faith. Bless you. The key is it's not having faith that matters; it's what we put our faith in. That's what I want us to really nail down on. We're going to put our faith in something. There's a story about a father who was vacationing with his family and came across a large sign. It said, "Road closed. Do not enter." You know what that means to us dads? Go anyways. (laughs) So the man said, "Yeah, you know, I don't think that's really true." So he proceeded to pass the sign because he was confident that it would save some time. this is a story. I'm sure this, this is not true. His wife was resistant to this adventure, but there was no turning back. Um, so this, this guy just kept driving down the road. After a few miles of successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. Look at this, guys. Look how well this is going. Uh, we are cutting off, shaving off time here. We're going to get there so much faster. His proud smile was quickly replaced with a humble sweat on the road led to a washed-out bridge. He turned the car around and retraced his tracks back to the main road. When they arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted in large letters in the back of the sign, Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) Sometimes we can have so much confidence and faith in ourselves. And I'm not trying to say we should always second guess ourselves, we should always just be so scared to make a decision, but you know, putting so much faith in ourselves is not the answer. Putting so much faith in who we are is not the answer. Our faith needs to be in the Lord, in who He is. The wisest person places their confidence in the unchanging, all-powerful God. Now, faith is first, and you might think, what about love? I thought love was the most important thing. I thought love is what, you know, God is love, you know, we should love people, isn't that the most important thing? And and that is truly uh, very important. We're not saying that. But think about it. The two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. To love God, you must have some measure of faith. If you're going to love God, you have to what? Hebrews 11:6 you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, to love him. To love your neighbor, you, have, you must have some measure of faith that love is valuable. If you have a, a, a humanistic or a, a Darwinistic viewpoint, truly, there's no need to love anybody. It's survival of the fittest. It's whoever makes it, makes it. You know, if you're more powerful, if you're stronger, you really should continue on the species. And you, the weaker, the lesser, why are we loving you? You need to die off and move on with your life. And that's we've seen that societies that become godless. That there is no concern for the weak, on the poor, the people that can't fend for themselves. They, they're not valuable because we don't have a framework in which there's value. If you have a purely scientific, Darwinistic framework, you lose that element of love. There is no real place for love in that society. It's for those who are the top and those who are the best, those who are the strongest. And so love is, is such a powerful thing that comes from God. When we take God away, we lose love. So faith is first. It's not just having faith that matters. It's what we put our faith in. Not faith in ourselves. Not faith just in my ideas. But I put my faith in the God of the Bible. And then I seek Him because of that faith. Number two, faith is, the blank there is trust. Faith is trust. Not certainty. Not certainty. Or comprehensive knowledge. Faith is trust, not certainty or comprehensive knowledge. This is critical. Because some, some folks may be here and the people that we're trying to minister to would say, you know, yeah, I, I have some faith or I want to have faith, but I have a lot of doubts. You know, I, I wonder about this. Why would, you know, I, I kind of want to believe in it, the, but then why would God let this happen? You have to talk with people like that. Why would, why, what about this over here? And so all of us, even in our own walk, we struggle with these things where, like, I have some doubts, I want to have faith, but I don't know, I'm not sure about this. But the truth is, faith gives us confidence, but it does not give us certainty. Faith gives us confidence, but it doesn't give us certainty. Certainty erases the need for faith. If you're certain about everything, why do you need faith? If you know 100% about everything, why do you even need faith? Faith's not needed. You don't have any gaps. It's all filled in. Faith does not demand, truly faith does not demand detailed knowledge either. For those of you that are are maybe new in your walk, you don't have to know everything about God to follow Him. Sometimes people that follow God the closest and really are a heart that's set on fire to walk after Him and serve Him, really maybe have less knowledge. Sometimes we get more knowledge and we get more stuck and complacent and we just, oh, I'm fine, whatever. Sometimes the people that really are on fire for the Lord... Are the ones hungry to, to grow in their knowledge but they don't have a ton of knowledge it doesn't require detailed knowledge and information to serve the Lord look at, this, look at Abraham in this passage of scripture in Hebrews 11.8 it says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God had given as his inheritance, he went without knowing where he was going he went without knowing where he was going He didn't have detailed knowledge. He didn't have uh, certainty in his life, but he had just enough to follow the Lord, just enough to begin a journey with God. He had just enough to move out from where he was and to take a step of faith each and every day to follow the Lord. We don't have to have all the information in our lives set in place to then begin a walk with God. We take what God's given us and we take a step of faith and move the direction He's leading us. We take steps of faith with what knowledge God's given us. You know, I I just want to continue to encourage you as you're ministering to people and as you're encountering people to just believe that God will will take what information they have. He'll take where they are right now and help them move to that next step of faith. Maybe you're here today and this is a new journey for you. I want to encourage you to believe that the Lord will reward you if you seek him. That God rewards those who diligently seek him. It's not sitting back and waiting and seeing God do all this stuff. But if I seek after God, God will reward that. If I believe him and take this step, what I have now, God will fill in and lead me forward to where he wants me to go. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have comprehensive knowledge. Faith is trust. We trust the Lord with what we have. And then we'll grow in confidence as we walk with him. Number three, faith is forward-looking. Faith is forward-looking. Verses nine and ten say, and even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So what what, what does this mean? Let's break it down into two two phrases that we find here in this, this passage. He says that he was living in tents. How many of you would like to live in a tent? If you had your choice, if you had your brothers, you could live in a tent or live in a house. I don't see a lot of hands raised. I don't see a lot of folks signing up for that, especially not in South Carolina in the middle of the summer, unless you have a tent air conditioner, right? Living in a tent is not the ideal circumstance for living. It's not how people normally choose to live. If we could... We choose. We want something permanent. We want something stable. We want something safe. We want something enclosed. We want something that's, you know, living in a tent is challenging. But this is, a, this is something that God called Abraham to do and his descendants because he was leading them on a journey. And a journey you have to pick up and move. You can't get stuck where you are. And so this living in tents is, is a significant thing for Abraham and also for us. For Abraham, he couldn't get too attached to his current location, his situations, his culture, his surroundings. Any day God made Tell him to pack up and move. This was something he had to be always ready to go wherever God wanted him to go. The the New Testament, uh, let me share with you two passages of Scripture that that talk about this. It talks about the world. And we have to be careful when we talk about the world because John 3.16 says God so loved the world. Right? That he gave his one and only son. But other times it talks about the world. It says, you know, be careful about the world. Be careful about the world. It's not the people of the world, but it's this idea, the system of the world, everything that entraps us into this, and that's what it talks about. John 12, 25, from the New Living Translation, says this, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. That's a pretty powerful, crazy statement. And Jesus uses what's called hyperbole quite often. Hyperbole is a a language where you make extreme language to make a point. I don't believe Jesus is saying that we should go around hating our life. Because he says if we love our life, we're going to lose it. Well, I'll just hate my life. Hate everything about my life. That's not not what he's saying. But Jesus uses hyperbole to make points. Those who love our life, we get so attached to our here and now life. Everything about it. We miss out on something else that's available to us. That's what he's saying. Amen. If we get so caught up in right now in this moment, all of the things going on, everything about it, this thing, that thing, we miss something else that's greater that's available to us. First John 2.15 puts it this way. Do not love this world nor the things of this world offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Yeah, does this mean you can't go and say, man, I was looking forward to that steak this afternoon, you know? Yeah, we're going to go out to eat, and I was going to get my steak or whatever your lunch is going to be or uh, your salad if you're more of a you know, healthy eater. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the things God gives us in our life. But it does, it's a caution for us to be careful to not get so attached to the things of the world. Mm-hmm. that we don't miss the true greater things of the Father. So we live in tents. We don't get attached to this world. And number, number two on here, it says that he looked confidently, looking, confidently looking forward to a city. Confidently, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with the eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. I believe, again, I, I know there's, there's the theological ramifications here, but I think this is some poetic language about having a forward looking faith. We're looking forward, we're not stuck here. And, and we're not stuck there. Let me give you three things real quick. You can write these down. What does it mean to have a forward looking faith? This is important in our life. First, we have to let go of our past. To have a forward looking faith, you have to let go of your past. A lot of people let their past keep them down, keep them back, and keep them stuck where they are because of the things of the past. We have to have a forward looking faith. We have to let go of the past. Our past is important. I'm not saying it's not. But we have to learn to let it go, to learn from it to let it go. God's going to free us, forgive us, and redeem our past if we allow Him. It. it doesn't mean that we have to have our minds erased like the good old uh, uh, Will Smith, Men in Black. Zip! You don't remember anything that happened in the past. Remember that old movie where they erased their minds? Uh, no, that's not what God's going to do necessarily. But God will redeem even the broken things of our past and use them to, to, for his glory in the future. But we can't get stuck. we got to let it go. You know there's an illustration that a pastor that I served under would say this all the time. Why is your windshield bigger than your rearview mirror? Why is your windshield bigger than your rearview mirror? Because where you're going is more important than where you've been. Where you're going is more important than where you've been. So remember that. Don't get stuck in your past. Where you're going is more important than where you've been. God will lead you forward. Second, we have to be completely present. Not only do we have to let go of our past, but be completely present in the in the moment now, but not get entangled stuck. Not getting tangled with the worries or overly attached with the pleasures of today. We, we need to learn to enjoy enjoy the moments that God gives us. Enjoy the moments with your family. you got my son here. i got good times this afternoon, going out with the family. Enjoy those things. Enjoy those things God gives you. Enjoy the little blessings of life. God gives you those for a reason. God lets us live life. Um, was it? Were you asking this the other day? Dad, would you just want to go to heaven if, if you could right now? Or did you ask me or was that Lily? That was you. He always asks me a few thoughts. So I was like, you know what? No, I'll go to heaven when God wants me to go to heaven. Because I think he's placed me here on earth to live my life, to do something for him. So when he calls me home, I'll go home. But I'll wait for him to call me home. So, so I'm here to, to live the life that i want to live, to raise my family as long as God's placed me there, to be a pastor, to be whoever God wants me to be. And when God calls me home, I'll go home. But I, I'm called to live in this present moment and to live who God, how God wants me to live. So we can't, you know, there, there used to be people that would think, you know, we got to get away from the world. And this is how, honestly, on monasteries and monks and so forth and, and church history, how that developed. And people said, you know, this moment is so terrible, this world is so bad, we need to get away from it and just let God take us home. We'll go over and pray and things like that. But I don't know that that's the best approach because God has placed us in the world, placed us in the community, placed us on our jobs to make a difference. And as long as he gives us breath, we're here to make a difference for him. And when he calls us home, we go home. So we have to learn to be completely present in the moment he's given us. But don't get stuck and get entangled in all the things of the day. And third, we have to learn to see a better future. See a better future, not a worse future. It's so easy when you hear the news. I don't know if you ever have you know, however you uh, take in the news, radio, TV, your your phone, I have a little little news app on the phone, scroll through, everything's terrible. It's like every news story is always terrible. Like, good, nice. Some mom kills some of their kids, like, What is wrong with the world? I mean, everything is messed up, broken. If you just take all that stuff in, it's like, my goodness, where are we going? What is happening? But we have to learn as believers not to get so drawn into that and so bogged down. Yes, there's so much tragedy, hurt, and pain in this world. But we have to be people that see a better future. We see good things. We see what God is going to do. Now we can see that we're not ignoring the bad things. But we know that God is is building something greater than all this. And it may be eternity before we get there. It may be not on this planet, not on this (laughs) earth, where we really get to experience it, not in this, this life, so to speak. But we gotta see a better future. I think it starts with a positive attitude about tomorrow. If you can't be positive about tomorrow, positive about this week, how are you gonna be you know telling people about coming to heaven with me? You know, like hey, let's go, let's go serve the Lord, let's go to heaven. Why well, would I don't want to be in heaven with you? You're always negative about your job. You're always negative wherever you go. Why would I want to go? You're going to be that. You know, I'll go somewhere. Else. You know? I think it starts as believers for us to be positive about tomorrow. Yes, there's so much bad things going on. Yes, we, we acknowledge that. We have to be positive and say, you know what? God is greater. God is able. And I don't understand why he doesn't solve this problem or do this. I don't get all that, but I know God is able. I know God can meet your need. I know he can. And we'll believe that he will. So if we have that positive attitude about tomorrow, we see a better future, we have hope. That's what that is, it's hope. We have hope in God that he will do something. Um, we will have a forward-looking faith. I think that's so important for us to keep forward-looking. Not stuck in the past, not bogged down in all the stuff of the day, but forward-looking. And God has a hope in the future for all of us. And finally, it says, faith is tested. This is an important thing to know, that your faith will be tested. Faith will be tested. That's that's just the element of it. tastes like a muscle. My wife started a, a gym membership, and she's not in there, so I can talk about it. So she started a gym membership, and um, uh, some place called Orange Theory where they put this little armband on you and they, like measure all this stuff. So she started this, and she has some friends that were part of it, and they're like doing all these exercises, doing these classes, and she's coming home beat. If you ever started like exercising to another level when you haven't really been exercising, you know how that that'll wear you out. And so she's coming of, oh, I can't feel my arms, can't feel my legs. And, and, and that's how it is. Sometimes our tests that we go through in our faith, we we'll, we'll, we'll feel beat down. Like, oh, my word. That was hard. But God is growing us. The trials we go through, God is stretching us. He's growing us. He's making us greater than we ever could be. And we would just, I mean, honestly, as humans, we'd just as soon sit and eat potato chips on the couch and watch our shows, right? When it comes to faith, sometimes we'd rather just say, you know, God, I don't need all those trials. I don't need all those tests. I'm good. You know, I got a few muscles. I can move my arms. <laughs> can't lift anything, but I can move them. I can lift them up. But God wants to, to challenge and to, to grow our faith in order to do that. We have to go through trials. We have to go through tests. This is the whole story of Sarah and Abraham. This is the whole story. Um, and I, we don't obviously have time this morning, and I encourage you to read it. Genesis 12 through 25. Genesis 12 through 25. You want to read that this week? You can read the story of Abraham and Sarah. And their journey with God, and, and read it with fresh eyes. And I started reading through it. Like, you know what? how many times God came and made promises to Abraham in that story? He comes and, hey, Abraham, you know, he, why don't you leave your house? I'm going to do all this for you. I'm going to give you descendants, move out of Ur, move on this journey. I've got this plan for you. And Abraham's like, okay, let's do it. And he gets walking doing, and then it's like, man, God, what's going on? Nothing's happening. And he, he comes through some challenges. You remember the story of Abimelech? He goes to Egypt with Pharaoh. He's, he's struggling. He's, he's like, I'm gonna die now, so I gotta, I gotta go put my wife as I'll say that's my sister, and, and all these sort of things. I don't have time to go through it all. But he has moments of, of great faith, moments of of where he's faltering. But God keeps coming back and promising him the same thing. And it's funny that it's like, well, when is it gonna happen? Because you keep telling me the same thing. And then he keeps. Just asking more of me. Like, now I got to get. Now we're doing this circumcision thing. Like, God, seriously? What's up with this? You know? I mean, like, for real. <laughs> How did that get involved? I didn't see that coming. So, all these sort of things. The same promise. Now I want you to do this. Same promise. I'm going to keep leading you. Then God shows back up. There's three minutes showing the campaign. Now there's a due there's a date on it. In a year from now, you're going to have a son. And, and all through here, Abraham one time laughs. Sarah laughs. And They're like, God, this is this is ridiculous. But in the midst of all of that, they don't stop following the Lord. That's right. Because faith is action. Faith is not a feeling. Mm-hmm. Trust is action. It's what we do. It's not how we feel. Mm-hmm. Don't get discouraged. If you feel down, if you feel like man, don't get discouraged by that. Because you can still have faith in the Lord even when you're feeling down. Mm-hmm. Because it's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's what you do with your life. It's the next step you take. Taking the steps in the right direction, even when you're not feeling like it, that's important. Because that shows faith. That shows trust, even when you don't feel any faith or trust. When we continue to say, Lord, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm gonna, this is what you're telling me, I'm going to do it. I don't even feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it. When we do that, God will somehow come in the midst of that and begin to give us a heart and to give us the feelings. I believe it will begin to stir that up. But it doesn't always happen first. Abraham was tested over and over. Sometimes he succeeded. Sometimes he failed. But God walked with them the entire way. And he never gave up on Abraham. God loved him, even though he failed. God chose them and used them and called them, even though they were imperfect. And the bottom line is, even in, in their moments of doubt and disbelief, they trusted the Lord, and God led them forward. Trust is an action, not just a feeling. You know, this morning, I don't know what test that you're, that you're facing any trials that you're going through, maybe you feel like your faith is being tested in some way or another. Uh, I imagine it would be because that's what God does with our faith. He leads us through this trial, next this trial. Some are great, challenging, tough, difficult. Some are small. Some workouts my wife goes to, you know, she's like, oh, that was okay. And some are like, oh, I almost died. You know, Sometimes our tests and trials are hard, You know, okay, all right summer are, are very, very, very scary. But God, God is there with us in the midst of those trials and those tests. And He's wanting to, to strengthen us so that we can serve Him in a greater capacity, so that we can make a greater difference in the world. We can reach people and, and demonstrate what it really looks like to follow the Lord. That's what people need to see. People need to see you and I truly following the Lord. And that will be something that Gets in their heart and mind, like you know what? That's that's what I want. That's what I need. Nobody nobody wants to see a lazy, complacent Christian. Like, oh, I need to do that. People, I mean, I, trust me. I I have so many relationships with people that are not interested in church, and there's nothing about complacent Christianity that inspires anyone. Not even us, right? What well, people need to see is someone that truly, in their heart, wants to serve the Lord, wants to follow Him, and that's what God is calling us to. Do. So if you're if you're um, facing a a trial today, I want to encourage you. Take a step of faith, trust the Lord. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't sense it, don't be discouraged. God is with you. Maybe you're, the day, you're the day, Pastor Shelton, I need to develop a more forward-looking faith. I've been caught up in this moment. I've been caught up in um, just getting entangled, All the stuff I got going on in my life. And I want to start seeing ahead. God, where are you leading? I want to have a positive outlook so that people say, you know what? What's What's going on in your life? What's up with that? People see it in our lives. And you know what? God's working on me. I'm I'm following him. That's what's going on. And so let's, let's just bow our heads. Let's pray together this morning as we conclude. I just want to pray with you, encourage you, as we go on our way and celebrate Father's Day. Enjoy all the things God's given us, the blessings in our life. My prayer is that God would increase our faith, increase my faith, increase your faith. That we would step out in, in ways that we wouldn't imagine days before. We'd step out and say, Lord, use me in, in a new way, in a fresh way. God, lead me where you want me to go. I don't want to just get caught up in the little grind of, of life in America. But I want to be on your track. I want to be following. But let's pray together. Lord, we, we thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you are the living God. You're calling us out to a new way of living, God. You're calling us to follow you. Jesus, I pray that you would help us. Those that are going through trials this morning. God, those that are being stretched, those that are being challenged, those who are having doubts. Those who are having issues in their life where they're wondering where you're at. Lord, I pray that you would come in this moment. And that you would, by your spirit, encourage them. God, you would would speak to their heart. Tell them, Lord, that you are there. God, show them. Let them sense your presence. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would help us (coughs) step out where you're calling us. To be people that live in tents. People that are not stuck in one place. Willing to move, willing to go, willing to follow your voice. Lord, I know we don't always get it right, we don't always serve you perfectly, but Lord, we thank you for grace, we thank you for mercy, we thank you for your love, it lifts us up in our failures, puts us back on track, God, and continues to call us and lead us forward. Lord, I pray you continue to lead us as a church, continue to guide us in your path, Not just another gathering place for Christians, but Lord, let this be a church on a mission. A church that has impact. A church full of people that are hungry to follow you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Bless every father this morning. Bless every person in this place that going through things, God. We thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name. I failed to mention this, but last week, Miss um, Stephanie, who's the relative mother, she moved to Houston. She left yesterday, and so we were trying to take a, a small offer, or a large offer, if you can. Um, we trying to take an offer for her, any, any expenses she may have, so I forgot to mention that when they took the offer. If you have, if you're able to, to contribute that, that'd be great. If you're not into that, that's fine, but God bless you guys. I love you. Have an awesome uh, Sunday.